do, then we just kind of give up on the whole thing. And so I really wanna help get you thinking in a more broad way. And then I wanna talk a little bit about communication because I don't think you can manage health challenges and sexuality and intimacy without being able to talk about it. And many of us don't have the skills to talk about sexuality. We didn't grow up in homes, I certainly didn't, um, where sexuality was talked about. And so it's a, a new skill that we have to gain as we grow and age. And then just how to talk to your uh, doctors and therapists and various people who are in your, on your medical team that can help you with sexual issues maybe that you're encountering. So that's my hope and agenda for our time together. Okay, so just normal physical challenges that people experience, obviously because of slowness of movement, tremor and rigidity, that can interfere with lovemaking because you can't move in the same ways that you're used to and you don't have the same flexibility. Um, you have reduced desire to be sexual just because of normal fatigue and sometimes the medications that you're taking can make you even more tired. Men often struggle with getting or keeping their erections or delayed ejaculation. Women can experience dryness and pain and really both men and women can struggle with finding their orgasm and sometimes that can be really difficult. Um, some people experience some of those things just with natural aging, so it's not necessarily a symptom of your Parkinson's, but it could be. And I just wanted you to know that if you're experiencing any of these things, you're sort of well in the bell curve. Other things that impact sexuality, as would be obvious, is how you're feeling about yourself, any depression you may be struggling with, your inability to re maybe read your partner's nonverbal cues because of that masking that happens with the face, um, just an inability to access your desire because you don't feel well or you just find that you're just not as connected to your sexuality as you're aging, um, just not feeling comfortable even bringing up the topic, not necessarily wanting to hurt your partner's feelings, and so talking about it can be difficult, and that's something I'm gonna talk more about how you feel about your body. I don't know if your body's like my body as it's aging, it's quite different. And um, that can make us feel a little less comfortable being sexual as we age. Obviously the tremoring and the rigidity that comes with Parkinson's also affects people's body image and they don't feel as sexy anymore or as desirable. Um, there is naturally desire differences in couples. That's a really normal thing to happen. Um, that's the most common thing that I see in my private practice is two people of pretty much any age, somebody wants to be sexual more than the other person. And so how to manage that is something that I can talk with you more about. Being distracted is something that I hear actually quite often from Parkinson's patients that I see, that they find that they can't be as focused um, when they're being sexual and that it sometimes hurts their partner's feelings or they just kind of get distracted. And so it changes the whole sexual dynamic sometimes. And then when I say role changes down there at the bottom, what I'm talking about is often Parkinson's patients sometimes feel more like a patient um, because they're managing so many things about their health and they're not just feeling like their regular selves or their partner, their spouse, um, often feels like they're a caretaker and not just their regular selves. And so you, you're, when you're trying to take care of somebody or you yourself are just trying to take care of yourself and that you're managing that, um, that can really impact sexuality a lot. And maybe I'm sure you've experienced that. So those are sort of some obvious things that I wanted to make sure we covered.
So tips for all of us. How you think about sex, when people often think about sex, they don't think about it how I think about it, which is I think of it as a buffet. I think about it as lots of different sexual things that people can do. And intercourse is one of the things on the buffet table, but for various reasons, that may not be an option. And so if people have a fuller buffet table of different things that they like to do, that make them feel close to that other person that may actually may or may not be sexual, but actually feel connecting. To me, it all is what your sex looks like. And so to broaden your definition, to broaden the way you think about sexuality and to include anything that the two of you find pleasurable and connecting is what your sex is. I mean, that's sex to me. It can't be a narrow definition because I think it could be, but then it gets eliminated pretty easily with Parkinson's patients because, because of physical challenges, with, because you don't have the same energy level, because of fatigue, it, it just goes out the window pretty quickly. And I think that's a shame because there's so many of us as humans, we just need to be touched for our whole life, for, from the time we're babies and we're born until we die. So my hope is that in our discussion tonight, you'll think about this, this need that all of us have to touch each other, to be close, to be snuggled together, and to figure out ways that that can still be part of what you do, even if you don't, if your sex doesn't look like how it used to look maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or at the beginning of your relationship. So my invitation to you is to think about how broad is your table? Like between you and your partner, how many different things would you put on your list of kind of possible options of things that the two of you can do? And that alone might be a really great exercise for you guys is after I talk tonight or some other day for you to sit down and think, okay, what's on our table? What are the things that we both enjoy doing that are possible? Maybe it's not something that you would want to do every single time you're sexual, but that's the whole thing. You don't ever eat everything off of the buffet table. You usually take, oh, I think I'll do this and this and this. And so that's the idea is if you have a broad array of things that the two of you do, then given what day it is, what time it is, where your medications are on or off or whatever's happening, you can decide what you want to choose from. Okay, let's keep going. <coughs> so this slide is basically... Sounds like somebody needs to mute themselves. I just want to remind you the but button at the bottom on the left hand side is a mute button. Make sure you've muted yourselves so we don't hear what's happening in your household at the moment. All right, so sexual activity should not be a goal and not a destination, meaning it's going to be one thing, it's going to be you're going to have an orgasm definitely, or we're definitely going to have intercourse. I think that kind of narrow thinking sets you up for failure. I think if you think about what would be connecting, what would be pleasurable, there's a lot of ways you can be successful with that. So affection, I think, can be a destination unto itself. Touching, fondling, putting your hands around each other, sitting in the bathtub together, having a shower together, kissing. There's so many things that affection can look like. And what often happens is when there's some sexual issues or people are not really wanting to be, have intercourse, then they aren't even affectionate because they're afraid that if they make any sort of 
gesture of affection towards their partner, then the person will assume, oh, this person wants to be sexual with me. And so what I want to offer is having a discussion. This is where communication comes in and saying, I want to touch you in a lot of different ways, but I don't necessarily want to have our traditional sex, whatever that may be. And so I think if you say that and everybody's clear and the expectations are understood, then there's a lot of ways you can be affectionate that make you feel close and connected and are good for your relationship and good for you as humans and good for your health. But it doesn't have to send any message other than this is what we're doing. This is all we're doing. And this is lovely. Okay. Patience is another thing to remember that it might take longer to get aroused or to reach orgasm. That's understandable. And to, to not give up, it, it, it could happen. It might not happen. Maybe that's where your body is at these days is it's just pretty hit and miss or it doesn't happen or it's very hard and it's not worth the effort. And that's fine. Um, but to just know that you're not unusual, there's nothing wrong with you if it seems to take longer than you would like or that you think it should. Um, and then focusing on pleasure, enjoying where you are rather than where you want to go. This is something that I tell a lot of folks in my office is we need to just be where we are, not where we want to go when we're being sexual so that we're really present and we're really enjoying our partner's body and we're really enjoying what's happening to our body. And we're not looking to where's this going or what's happening next. None of that. To just try to say, this is lovely enjoying it, and then deciding whether you want to take it further or not. All right. Planning time of day for your medications is important. And maybe I should have said it the other way, which is planning when you're going to be sexual may be important based on when you take your medications, because you may not have a choice around when you take your medications, but you do have a choice. <coughs> Sorry, my throat is dry. You do have a choice about when you're going to have some intimate time with your partner. So many people always often think, okay, we'll do it, you know, last thing at night, which is sometimes the worst time for a lot of folks. Some other people think, oh, first thing in the morning is when I'm the most awake. But for other people, their body hasn't really woken up. That's not when they're at their best. And so to have that conversation with your partner of, when would be a good time for us? Is late morning really better? Is that possible for us given our life? Um, is early afternoon a better time? Is right before dinner a good time? To plan your time together based on when your body's at its best for both of you. And to have that conversation, not just for the Parkinson's patient, but also for their, the partner and the spouse. When's their best time? Both people have to get a vote into when that happens. What hinders communication, in my experience, is embarrassment, lack of knowledge, limited sexual vocabulary, not knowing how to bring it up, not feeling comfortable bringing it up. Um, and it's why my talks end up getting very well attended is because people are hungry, I think, for people to just talk openly and honestly about sexuality. And I find that many doctors and other healthcare professionals don't do a good job with it. No one's sort of out there saying, hey, let's just talk about it. It's uncomfortable for both of us, for all of us, except for me, <laughs> who I do it all day in my office. And so it's not as difficult for me, but um, I have a lot of understanding and compassion that it's weird and awkward for you, perhaps. 
So here's some recommendations I have for you. <laughs> Part of it is just being brave and sharing your feelings and offering some suggestions. Being specific and not hinting around and you using euphemisms, but just being kind of bold about what you're wondering. You know, I'm just, I'm noticing, commenting about your own body. I'm noticing that I'm, it's hard for me to get aroused. And I'm wondering if we can brainstorm together around that. Or I'm noticing that I can't find my orgasm in the same way. And I'm wondering if we could try something different or I'm noticing you're not, you're maybe struggling a little bit. And how is that for you? Is there anything I could do differently? You know, how do you want to work with this? Where there's not any blame, there's not any complaints. It's just, this is what I'm noticing. How can we work with this? How can we be allies and be on the same side and just look at this in a really positive way without a lot of worry that anybody's wrong? It's just, this is the way our bodies are and to just accept that as best we can. And then remembering the value of appreciations. This is another really important thing that I say to all my clients, really, is that appreciating each other in a sexual way, in an intimate way, in just an everyday way, like thanks for this, or I appreciate sharing my life with you, especially during this time of COVID when we're often spending way more time with our partners than we would normally that can be stressful on relationships, um, but it is something that we sometimes let the appreciations and noticing the positive fall by the wayside and we just sort of notice what's bugging us or what's getting in our way. And so I invite you to flip that um, balance a little bit and try to notice, are you saying more positive things or are you saying more negative things? And to try to create more appreciations and positivity because that's really what's going to make the two of you want to be close and is going to be really investing in your relationship. How do we talk about sexuality? So the best thing to do is not to talk about it in bed when you're naked or partially undressed, um, but to find some other time on a walk or just, you know, over breakfast or whatever. Um, asking each making an, a kind of a, an appointment with each other so that the other person has a chance to maybe do some thinking about it ahead of time. What do they want to bring to that conversation so that they can think about it and be prepared? Hopefully both of you are going to bring some ideas to the conversation, not just of what they can do differently, but what you can do differently, what you, how you, what you could ask for discussions that, I mean, uh, suggestions that you feel like might work well for you and that would be helpful. And being open to negotiating and talking and listening well. Um, using active listening skills, if you're familiar with that term, um, during these kinds of conversations can be really helpful. Any conversation that's a little uncomfortable or awkward, when I, what I mean by active listening is somebody talks and the other person listens and then you switch after the person who's been talking gets a chance to really feel heard. So if I'm, for example, with my husband, if I want to talk to him about something, I'll say to him, I need, you, I need to talk to you about something and I really want you to active listen and hear what I have to say. And then I'm happy to hear what you have to say about this. And so what it does is it helps me get clear about what I want to say to him by me saying, I'm noticing that it's, you know, hard for you to do X, Y, Z. And then he is able to say, so what I'm hearing you say is it's, you're noticing that it's hard for me to do X, Y, Z. He doesn't get to 
comment at that point or agree or disagree. It's just, he's just repeating basically what I'm saying. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Or I can realize that, no, that's actually not quite what I mean. And I can clarify it a little bit more. So I keep talking and he keeps repeating back so that I know that he's really getting what I'm saying. And then I say, yeah, I feel like you're totally getting it. So now let's switch. How are you feeling about this? And then he talks and I kind of say, do the same thing back. It's active listening in the sense that I'm repeating back, not word for word, but the gist of what he's saying so that he feels heard and understood. It's a great tool for couples, particularly around sexuality. Um, okay. Being vulnerable, again, that's you saying, I'm noticing that this is hard for me. I'm noticing that there's a struggle here for me. That's of being vulnerable. And I think the other person is more willing to be vulnerable if you're willing to be vulnerable. And then the two of you deciding, all right, what's like one small thing that we could do that would make things better? That is a great end to that conversation. Like, let's not, we're not going to solve it all today in this conversation, but Maybe we need to just go off and think about it, or maybe we've got one idea of, yeah, if we could just do this more, that would be a huge thing. Okay. Uh, minimizing breaks. What I mean by breaks are, if you, there's things that you know interrupt you and get in your way, like for me, it's being cold, and it's if, some, if, if he smells of dinner or something in his beard or something, he's brushed his teeth, but he still smells like, I'll say, you know what? I'm still smelling tacos on your face or whatever. And he gets up, goes, washes his face, comes back and we move on. But I'm going to be fighting that break through the entire sexual experience if I don't speak up and say something. So it's good for you to notice what are your breaks? What are the things that make it harder for you to jump into a sexual experience or move into a sexual experience? to speak about that in the moment or to prepare ahead of time. I know that if I do a lot of things right up until the time that we're going to have our intimacy date, that I, it's going to be hard for me to settle down, that I need a little bridge of time between our intimacy date and um, all the other things that I've been doing. So I sometimes create a cushion of time that really helps me. So just knowing yourself and knowing what you need to, to join in looking at your physical environment. Does your bedroom look like this or does it look like this? There's obviously a difference in how our external environment looks that can make a difference in terms of our interest in being um, sexual or sensual. And so I just raise this as something to think about. And then talking to your doctor, you know, they're the ones who um, have ideas and suggestions. If you're noticing that your erections are more difficult, mentioning that if you're noticing that your desire is drastically upped, which can happen with um, Parkinson's medications, or it has really dropped, talking about that. Sometimes medications can be adjusted. But just bringing up the subject, for example, things have changed sexually for us, and I'm wondering if I can talk with you about that. And usually they'll say, sure, but they won't necessarily bring it up. Or what are the sexual side effects of these medications? Because I'm noticing some changes. So tell me what you know. And they know these answers. They just are reluctant to bring it up with you. Okay. I want to remind you that you have a whole team, not just your neurologist, but you have you, hopefully a physical therapist. There's occupational therapists that are available to you, social workers, nurses, different people who can support you 
if you're noticing just moving in bed is challenging, I hear over and over from physical therapists and occupational therapists, I can help with that, but I need you to bring it up so that I can um, do some things that will make that easier. Um, you can also go on the, I'll maybe put it in the chat um, box. There's the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, which is a national organization of sex therapists. And if you could find somebody in your area who could help you if you feel like you need somebody like myself to kind of work with you and your partner around sexual issues, that's a great website. Most therapists right now are doing virtual sessions, but that could still be even one or two sessions can be get you right back on track with, you know, um, work, things working better in terms of your sexuality. So I just, I will make sure that you get that link before we end. And then this is just some questions that I invite you to write down. I'm going to leave this up for a minute or two of future discussion after I finish. I'm going to move into questions right now, but I wanted you to just have some questions to take away from tonight of things you can talk about with your partner. For example, what is working well in our relationship? What could we do to create more intimacy? My favorite way you express physical intimacy is each of you answer that question, fill in the blank. One thing I would like more of is fill in the blank. Are any PD medications impacting our sexual life? You know, maybe the patient knows that there's some medications that are impacting them, or maybe the partner knows, actually, I think your medications are changing your sexuality. You may not be aware of it, but I can tell. And how can we adjust this? How can we have a conversation about this? What I like about this, these just five questions is it focuses more on the positive. It focuses on what are we doing well emotionally and physically in our relationship? What are the ways in which the cup is half full and not just focusing on the cup half empty, but there's a lot of things that are in place that we do. We always hold hands. We always put our hand out when we're in the car driving. Like there's ways we connect with each other. And so, Focusing on what you do do and you want to continue to do and are important to you and sharing with your person why it's important to you and why you really value even the small things is a lovely thing to say to your, your partner. And then how can we create more either on a physical level or emotional level? How can we create more? Um, I love that third one. My favorite way you express physical intimacy is because sometimes we surprise our partner with that answer. Like it might be something really small that our partner does that we love and they don't realize the importance of it, but by bringing it out and saying, you know, I just love the way you just put your hand on my hair sometimes and it's almost unconscious and it just makes me so happy when you do that. It just makes me feel really loved and they'd be like, wow, I didn't even know it was a big thing. So um, that's a sweet conversation to have. And then just one more, one thing, not five things that I would like you to do differently. What's one thing that I would like more of, or I would like us to try that we've never tried before? Maybe it's bringing a vibrator in, or I don't know, whatever it might be. So I invite you to have the, this conversation um, and realize that both of you are doing something that's a bit of a stretch, and to try to make it as safe as possible to have that conversation. And um, if you want any more resources, I want to make sure that I give you my contact information, feel free to email me if you have
questions that I don't get to tonight, um, or you just want some resources, some good books to read, um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen. But um, one of my favorite books, it's not particularly about Parkinson's, but it's about sexuality and aging, is um, called Naked at Our Age by um, Joan Price. That's one of my favorite books for people who are aging. It's called Naked at Our Age, and the author is Joan Price. And the other one of my books that is one of my faves um, that I think is really, that really speaks to broadening the way we think about sexuality is the book Sexual Intelligence by Marty Klein. So I'm going to pause there and see if people have questions for me. That was really interesting. You know, in the age of Netflix and, and Amazon Prime, and I watch a lot of these series and everything, I feel like the whole culture is becoming more open about sexuality and intimacy, especially the younger generation. So um, it is nice to have the, the you know, uh, openness to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Does anybody have any questions? Oh, Jeff, ask the question. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that to me. <laughs> Heather, do you have any questions? He's very shy. <laughs> no questions. All right, I'll ask a question. I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'll, I'll do it. All right, so dopamine agonists actually, <laughs> actually can... Um, cause an increased interest in sex, right? I mean, it's, it's right. So you see that sometimes. Absolutely. It's not such a negative thing sometimes. Well, it's interesting. What I notice is patients often really like how that feels. You know, they like feeling more sexual. They like feeling really alive. Um, and I think when we feel super sexual, we feel more alive. And so what I notice is that patients often don't want their medications <laughs> reduced some because that feels really great. But when you talk to partners, they sometimes struggle with that um, because it feels like their partner has become like this predator, like they're wanting sex all the time and that doesn't feel good to live with. And so I understand that and I have a lot of compassion for that. And so I think it needs to be a conversation. Um, and I think the patient needs to realize that this isn't like their normal sexuality, that it's, it's being affected by medications. So they don't just get to own, well, I'm just like this really super sexual person. Like, no, you have medications that are making you feel that way. And that's, you have to be on them. Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know if that if there could be a change in medication for that particular person. But what I'm inviting into for those situations is for it to be a conversation, for it to be a conversation. Yeah. Good what, medications, what medications are the biggest culprit of that? Do you know, Lynn or Sheila? Uh, dopamine agonists. So pretty much the whole class of medications that include yeah. dopamine agonists. Not carbolevodopa, unfortunately, but <laughs> um, I Mirapex? Mirapex, mostly. Yeah. Mirapex. yeah, I've heard that one is, is a, a real culprit. <laughs> but I, you're right, it's the whole family of medications. Yeah. 
those can also make you um, want to gamble mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, go overboard making purchases. Those were all the side effects the doctor talked to us about. Right, because it's increasing your compulsivity and your impulsivity. And so anything that's sort of about, yeah, impulsive behavior in some way, um, it, it just ups that. So yeah, you're right, shopping, gambling, sexuality, all of those things are kind of normal things. And it sometimes can get very serious, very serious, where people like clean out their bank accounts because they're spending so um, unconsciously. So it's, it's definitely something that has to get looked at. You never knew everybody was so shy. <laughs> uh, what, so what, what are typically some of the questions that you receive in some of the other um, groups like this? Like, so what, what do you think is like <laughs> trying to get everybody to chime in? I often hear questions about cognitive impairment and how that affects sexuality. Um, and it is something that um, happens with Parkinson's at a particular point in time. Um, and there aren't good answers to it other than to continue to, I mean, it's one of the values of having fairly a broad range of sexual choices of what you could do or how you can be close. And, um, because cognitive changes are going to take off the table certain things that you do sexually. And so if you have only three things on your table, then it minimizes what's an option. And so my, it, it's a struggle more often for um, partners than for patients themselves. Um, but they, partners notice that they, it's, they just don't want to be as sexual anymore because the person seems so different. Their personality seems different. Who they know them to be seems different. And so it really affects their desire and so in those cases, what I try to invite is just um, closeness and connection, that maybe sexuality is diminished, but that there's still some holding and some loving between those two people, even in, um, when possible. Yeah. And I'll just ask a question, Sheila. Um, in your practice, do you see more, more couples having issues that uh, just come naturally due to getting older? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, versus PD. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's such a normal thing, but nobody ever tells us that our sexual pattern really has to evolve over the lifespan of us. Because, you know, however we were when we were first with our partner, then typically people have job issues and their life, they get more responsibility or they have children or their life just gets busier. And so their whole sexual life kind of changes in, in because of those stresses. And then they have a lot of older children who are staying up later and then that's different. And then there's an empty nest syndrome when the kids are gone and then, and then there's health challenges. And so, yeah, I, w one of the major things that I work on in my practice is helping people evolve their pattern and not get stuck on, well, this isn't what the way we used to be. This isn't what we used to do. We used to be like they get stuck on whatever it looked like when they were first together. And what I um, try to impress upon them is, 
we don't look the same. Our hair is gray, you know, like things change, our bodies change and we have to change with them. And so how can you create a sexual life, whatever that looks like, that works for both of you um, and feels fun and feels playful and feels connecting and feels, um, you know, pleasurable. And that's really going to change and evolve. And, it, and you've got to have that mindset. And Marty Klein in that book, Sexual Intelligence, he does a great job of talking about that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Silver, I was just thinking um, one of the most important things, like you said, is communication. <clears throat> and just being able to talk to your partner and, and say things that you really like about them or th things that you like they do for you, that, that makes a conversation itself go further. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that I think kind of falls by the wayside the longer we're with somebody is we're, we're yeah. doing regular life and we're, you know, making breakfast and, you know, cleaning our house and just doing regular stuff, our jobs, whatever. And so that sort of really lovely, intimate talking that we often do a lot at the beginning of our relationships when we're with somebody, I've been married 33 years, but you know, after a while it falls by the wayside. And so I think you have to be intentional about looking in, your person's eyes and you know just sitting down with them and saying hey let's just talk a little bit let's check in tell me how you are tell me what you're worried about tell me what you're looking forward to or excited about or you know just having a little deeper conversation with each other i call it in in my practice i call it kind of heart shares and i think it's it's appreciations like i was saying but it's also just sharing at a little deeper level and um if any of you want my list of heart shares i had a husband in my office who said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like all of their conversation was about logistics and kind of surface shallow kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he had no idea how to ask a deeper, it's not that he didn't want to, he just had no idea what he would ask. And so after they left my office, I sat down and I just like wrote 10 or 20, you know, kind of deeper ways of having a conversation with your partner and sent that off to him. And so periodically over the years, I send I offer that to other people um, on a fairly regular basis. So if anybody wants that, I'm happy to um, share that with you. Or I can send it to Lynn and she can send it to all of you. But um, Yeah, that would be great. I think that everybody would appreciate that. Yeah. And I think I've, got, I've, I've got a question about relaxation. Great. With Parkinson's or just aging, if we have more rigidity or we move slower, what about the use of marijuana gummy bears? Just to help relax. Are there other uh, over-the-counter kinds of things that you have found to be helpful for people just to relax more, separate from deep breathing and mindfulness? Well, I think I believe in meditation, and I think I, I categorize that differently than mindfulness or deep breathing. Like meditation is. And there's lots of different kinds. There's hundred, hundreds of different kinds of meditation. But I think it is something that the research shows is so incredibly valuable to Parkinson's patients and to people with trauma 
and pretty, basically anybody is going to get so much value in terms of anxiety and relaxation. They're going to get so much value from quieting their nervous system for even just 10 minutes where they're breathing and not worrying about anything. Thoughts may come, th thoughts may go, but really developing some sort of meditation practice that you're regular about. Some people say, oh yeah, well, I've tried it a couple of times or I did it for a while and I've kind of fallen away. And it's my bias, but I am a firm believer that meditation is something that's just an investment in of time. You don't have to go to the anywhere and buy it. You can just literally sit in a chair and for those 10 minutes or however long you choose to do it, breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth and just quieting your physiology is doing wonders for your whole brain body mechanism. So, but there's lots of books on that topic as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Can you discuss pelvic organ prolapse? Specifically, like what, what do you want to know about it? Um, sexuality and um, I don't know, maybe pessaries, uh, surgery, exercises. Well, it's certainly something to <clears throat> talk to your gynecologist about in terms of what, I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, my degree is in sexuality specifically. So in, from a physiological standpoint, your best bet is to talk to uh, a, a gynecologist who has experience with this. Now, not all gynecologists do, but talking with somebody who's an expert in the pelvic floor and having them give you some advice about what would be helpful from a physiological standpoint, there's different things that people use, um, and potentially working with a pelvic floor physical therapist can also be very helpful in terms of strengthening your pelvic floor and, and bringing relaxation to your pelvic floor and figuring out how that might help that situation. So it's, it's really more of a medical question, but I'm happy to ask a specifically sexual question related to that if, there, if I haven't gotten to what you want to hear about. Dr. Silver? Yes. Hi. Um, I'm wondering if you could address um, during the time that you're having sexual intercourse, when things are not going as smoothly as they used to go, how to quiet your brain because I become very self-conscious of the tremors or how slow I am or things like that. What techniques you recommend to quiet the brain mm -hmm. to um, be able to enjoy that better? So it's a great question. I'm so happy you asked it because it's sort of our critical voice that comes in. I mean, that's essentially what you're talking about. And it's true, actually, in a lot of different ways that that's so likely to happen in sexuality that sometimes we get very self-conscious about what our body's doing or not doing. <laughs> so if you're tremoring or if you're not getting turned on or you're not finding your orgasm or whatever's happening. And so what I would recommend is to just sort of notice that you're, you've gone, you've gotten into spectatoring is how, what we call that. You're watching yourself more than you're in your body. So that's what you have to realize you're doing in that moment. 
and come back into your body and just notice exactly how you feel. How does it feel with what's happening right now? What are you noticing your legs? Are you noticing your breasts? Are you noticing how your vagina feels like all of it? Like get back into your own body so you're not watching yourself and then notice what would make this a little bit better. Like if you're asking that question, then you're not watching yourself. You're not judging yourself. You're not criticizing yourself in some way and making up a story of what your partner's thinking or feeling. Like all of that is just made up. And if you're in your own body, then in, in your, from within your own body, when you're noticing what you're liking and what's feeling good or what's not feeling good, sometimes that disassociating is because it's not as interesting anymore or it's boring or it's not as, it's fun. And so really what you need to do is get back into your body to figure out what would make this better? What would make it more interesting? Do we need to change something up? Do I need to use my own hand? Do I need to use a vibrator? Do I need to change positions? So, so to ask yourself, what would make it a little bit better for you? And then that will, I think, help the, get you out of that disassociation and spectatoring that you're doing. Does that help? Thank you. That's a, it's a good way to uh, form it. But it, the last gentleman asked a question. He asked a two-part question, and I, I know you answered one, but you didn't address the uh, marijuana gummies. Or oh, right. mar did you, do you have a position on that? I don't have a position on that. I think that that's a question that everybody really has to decide for themselves of what other substances they want to use and what substances help them. For some people, a glass of wine or two glasses of wine or gummies or, you know, wh whatever, everybody's got to really make that choice. And it's got to be based on their body and their history and what works for them and in conjunction with their medical doctors. And so it doesn't feel like something I actually can comment on. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Sheila, also a couple members have asked if you wouldn't mind repeating the two books, two or three books that you recommended during the lecture. I, I mentioned the book Sexual Intelligence by Marty Klein. Sexual Intelligence by Marty Klein, Klein, K-L-E-I-N. And I mentioned Naked at Our Age by Joan Price. My two faves. I have other faves, <laughs> but those are my two faves. Are there any other questions? Well, I just, uh, yeah, I read the Joan Bryce book. I thought it was uh, very interesting, very good. But it, it seems like her value added is uh, expanding the buffet table. If you were to critique that book, what would you say is the value added? What's the most helpful? Of the Joan Price book? Yeah. It, it seems like she's trying to expand the buffet. Yeah, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I think she just explains it in different ways than I've done tonight. But mm -hmm. I think that that is crucial. I think that's the whole ball game, actually, in terms of helping couples um, expand what they do, but also include things that when, when certain things aren't maybe options anymore, they just don't work as well. You need to include other things. And so I think expanding the buffet table is, is really the whole ball game. Yeah. I would just like to say that I'm really happy that this topic was brought up and that you did a very good job 
uh, talking about the 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 caregiver and the PD person, you know, and the whole process of aging and communication and all that. And one of our uh, kids gets Lynn's emails. So she shared with all her siblings that tonight's topic was this. So of course, the, the first remark was, oh, you know, dad's not going to go on that Zoom call, you know, and he's like, Oh, yes, I am. But he does have a board of finance meeting that he's on a Zoom call in another room. And he said, if anybody asks why I'm not there, you better tell them. And also, um, I know the wise guys are all going to ask, how did I enjoy it? And so I, I wrote down a couple of your nuggets that I'm going to throw right back at all of them. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the communication and everything. And you can tell him that we recorded it so he can listen to the whole thing. I, I thought of that too. I saw the little record light go on. I go, you're not off the hook for this now. <laughs> Sheila, can you repeat the website, the therapist's website too? Would you mind doing that? And then I'll get that out to everybody. Yeah, it's um, A, the letter A, the letter A twice. So it's American Association of the S is the second it's hard to say, aaseck.org. So it's aaseck.org. So it's American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Okay, good. Thank you so much about it. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, you know, there's like nothing about me that's working as well as it did 20 years ago. So it's not, it's not, you know, just the sex life but like I walk into a room and I can't remember what I was going in there for and and you know everybody says oh yeah it happens to me you know my kids say it you know it happens to them too and it happened to me when I was a kid but not as frequently so I don't know where I'm going with this but it's just kind of you know psychologically you you kind of question yourself is this normal aging is this um you know, Parkinson's, is this the meds I'm on? Um, and I guess you just have to, you know, experiment uh, with the meds and the, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what you do, but it, you know, you can get your head wrapped up in, you know, why this is happening more frequently or is it happening more frequently? It feels like it's happening more frequently. Right. Right, and that it isn't. It is hard to know whether it is the Parkinson's or whether it's the. It's just natural aging because, and and you're never going to have that answer because you don't right. know what you would be like without Parkinson's. Exactly. And so I think part of what we have to do. There's two things that I thought of when you were talking. One is to to bring it up with your your doctor when you see them next. Of like I'm noticing that I'm really not, you know clear in my head and and it seems like it's really getting worse and would you expect that is there anything we can do in terms of my medications like i would just openly talk about what you're noticing right. um, that's number one and number two is i think when we notice changes whether we're just doing natural aging or you know our parkinson's is progressing i think we have to not look at wow i i'm I'm so different than I was. We keep holding the yardstick of what I used to be and we're never going to measure up, right? right? And so I think at some point you've just got to be like, this is today and maybe tomorrow will be a better day or maybe it won't be, who knows? But to be, it, I think Parkinson's invites you and is an opportunity into 
mindfulness and being in the present of like, this is what I've got today. And it, if it's depression or it's, you know, your body's different or your brain's different or your sex is different, whatever, whatever's happening, you've just got to say, hmm, all right, this is, this is what's on the menu today. As if you're walking into a restaurant and yeah, they're out of chicken. So you're definitely not going to have chicken. You know? <laughs> what can you do? You got to keep your sense of humor and just say, this is, this is today. Right. I, think, I think the sense of humor is really important. And I also think that this forgetfulness and, and fogginess, um, no matter how well we're coping with the pandemic right now, and I think we're, we're coping pretty well, it's, I think it really, the stress of it has contributed to the forgetfulness and the fogginess. And so we constantly remind each other, um, what did I do? What did I say I was going to do? And we laugh about it and that helps. But I really think I've seen a difference in the last few months, both of us. And I think part of that's the stress of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no question that stress absolutely affects our brain functioning. There's a lot of research about that. And so yeah, stress, anxiety, and depression, right? Exactly. This has been a, such a strange year for everybody. And it, it, you know, it's just- It's only fun. getting stranger. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Well, well, this is wonderful. This has been so helpful. I mean, I think, I mean, due to the fact that we had so many participants, so you could, it was a popular topic. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Sure, happy to. And yeah. please email me, anybody who was reluctant to ask questions or if you think of something after we end tonight, I'm really open to that. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, thank thanks. Thanks thank for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. So everybody, I wanted to make a couple announcements. I first wanted it before everybody checks out here. Is Brenda still on? Brenda? I don't know if Brenda's still on. There was a- I am. Yes, I am. Did Eddie come back by any chance or no? No. Okay, okay. No. So, you know, I wanted to talk up the um, social event with um, COVID safe, with our mass social distance, at Sherwood Island on Saturday, this Saturday, October 17th at 11 a.m. If you feel comfortable, rain or shine, because it has the overhang there at the, at the Sherwood Island, so it doesn't matter if it's raining. You know, we, and it's all open though, you know, so I, you know, please come. It's very casual, bring your own lunch. And, you know, just, you know, we can, we can walk, we can talk. Yeah, you know, there's there's benches, there's you know, so we'll have we should have places to sit, and um, it's very casual. But Brenda Waldron and there's a couple, um, one of her, um, somebody she knows that's a boxer is going to be there doing a boxing demonstration, right, Brenda? Um, yeah, like a, sure. a, short, <laughs> a short boxing demonstration about the class, and then also we have the rock steady. Oh, not rock steady. I'm sorry. The rock study instructor may be there also, Tony, who does a class on Mondays at Roger Sherman Baldwin Park. And in addition, we're gonna have um, a Tai Chi demonstration <coughs> from Ken Dolan, who does the Tai Chi on Tuesdays. So come and you know, meet some of the instructors. The, um, I have to follow up at the Westport Weston YMCA. Um, some folks from there are gonna be coming too to introduce themselves to them because they're gonna start a program there. Um, they're, we're working towards that. 
So there's a lot going on. And there's classes at the Greenwich YMCA that were trying to figure out the Zoom. I don't know if any of you have tried to log on to the classes at the Y. Um, there's a couple glitches going on. So if you are having trouble, let me know. Um, but we have 10 spots um, at the live at the gym, if you feel comfortable with that with masks, or else you can zoom in um, and see the class. And that's, there's, um, there's, let me see, there's three classes. There's Monday, there's, I'm sorry, not Wednesday at 10 is um, Rocksteady. And then there's Ray at 6 p.m. on Thursday. And Francesca is on Friday at 10. So make sure you check the email because there's a whole lot of stuff going on. And, um, and if you have any questions, let me know. And Bring uh, your gloves. On bring Saturday. your gloves, yes. And it, you don't Bill. have to bring your gloves. You can do shadow boxing if you want to. So is, is Saturday rain or shine? Rain or shine. Oh, rain or there's shine. A big, on, there's a big, I don't know what you call it. It's this big overhang. So you yeah. know, open yeah. on the side. Pavilion. Pavilion. Pavilion, that's the word. Pavilion. And, and related to our aging questions, are there porter johns? You know what? I'll check on that, but I'm pretty sure that they're open. Um, but I'll double check on that just to make sure. Okay. And, and Linda, I did recontact Christine at the Y. I haven't heard back yet because I was having difficulty signing on to the Zoom classes. So you never got on? No. Okay. No, I want to try again tomorrow morning. Okay, I'm gonna be there tomorrow morning. So, you know, I'll follow up with Christine that there was a problem with the Zoom class. Thank and it you. looks like it's gonna be chilly on Saturday too. So maybe sweatshirts and maybe even a fleecy oh, yeah. blanket or something. Yes, but it'll be fun, you know? I mean, if we keep social distance, I mean, it'll be, mm -hmm. it'll be, it'll be safe. I'll make sure it's safe, you know? And um, I'll bring some extra masks in case anybody forgets. And I'll bring hand sanitizer. And you know we could have a picnic together with our. Yeah. <laughs> They're predicting is eighty percent chance of rain on Saturday. Oh, <laughs> all right. So the pavilion will be under the pavilion then. So I mean, if you feel comfortable, I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, I didn't think we'd get into a whole rain date kind of thing, but. Well, it's probably going to be a raw rain date. <laughs> <laughs> But if we have sex before we come, we all <laughs> that was great. That was good. Oh boy, Jim. Oh my god. Let's have a logo. We need a logo contest. <laughs> I know what topics you all like. All right. <laughs> Enough of that old other stuff, right? That's so funny. Give me those gummy bears. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Anything else? Anybody, um, anybody want to introduce? Lynn, me? can I throw out a question to you? Sure. Has anyone in the group had a problem with amantadine or bilcobri? I'm on it. I'm not having any problems with it. Well, you can have my extras. You went off of it? Yeah, I so had a happened? horrible rash and I went off it. Now I have swollen feet and ankles, which is a side effect. Of amantadine, right? Did you have like the mo modeled? Yeah, your legs. Yeah. Yeah. Was it yeah. bad? Was it really bad, or was it really, really yeah. ugly? And swollen feet. Swollen feet and ankles. It takes, really it takes weeks to go away. Yeah. So yeah, that that does have that effect. It's amanadine, basically, yeah. what it causes it. <clears throat> I've been on that with no problems so far. Yeah. Well, most everyone doesn't have a problem. I guess it's one percent. 
I have, I'm on it, but I'm decreasing the dosage of it because I'm just trying something out with the doctor, with my doctor, of course. And I do have some modeling on my legs, but I use self tanner to cover it up. <laughs> self tanner would not cover my knock. It was, it's really ugly. And, and what was it, Gail? It's a rash? No, it's not a rash. It's, it's like a net like rash. Yeah, it's modeling. It's mo but it's not itchy, right? No, not at all. There's a certain name for it that Dr. Ackley yeah. told me it is, but I have to look it up again. You know, how but long were you on it for? I was on it for about nine months, I think. And it was yeah, okay at the beginning and then just started? Yeah, but now the foot and leg swelling is terrible. The rash is, the rash is called a veto reticularis. Oh. L-I-V-I-D-O. Is it just on your legs or does it go on any other parts of your Maybe body? Rashes on my face. No, it was more on ankles and legs. It was okay. swelling. The rash was mostly my legs and arms. Right. Interesting. And I mentioned look, at the last Jeff, if you, if you want to look it up, I'll give you the name of it. Okay. Um, hang on one second. Why don't you just forward it to I'll me? forward it to you, Jeff. Make it easier. Okay. But even have my extras. I have three months worth. We'll see if I go off of it now by myself. Because it's very, <laughs> the copay is reasonable. It's $20, but they charge my insurance company $2,000 a bottle. I know. Right, right. Yeah. And I have three and a half bottles. So you're welcome to them. You know, I'm, we're, I'm going on Medicare in next year. And I didn't know if, um, it was really interesting, you know, looking at the different plans through Medicare. And I didn't know if you, anybody else would be interested in bringing in a speaker to address that. But there is a big difference in a different, you know, part, was it part B and part A and part D? And, you know, it's, it gets really confusing. And there's a special, online, I found a specialist that helps people on Medicare find the right plan, which is very interesting. We've been on Medicare for several years by now. Yeah, would any of you find that interesting or no? Lynn, you have everyone, anyone who's on Medicare knows that if you're on Part D, the drugs that you take for Parkinson's may be covered in your plan this year, but then they change the formulary and next year, what you're paying $10 for could be $500. Right. So every year you have to look it up and make sure whatever you're taking is you're getting the best deal on what you're taking. That's very helpful. You enter your drug, if you go to the Medicare website and you enter all your drugs, it'll show you the total cost of your drugs for each of the different plans. That's how you pick one. Well, there is a, there's Medicare specialists that help people with Parkinson's. I'm, I've found a couple of them that are really, oh. really good that do this for you so you don't have to get into all this. Okay. So, I don't know, I, I could share, I could try to see if I could get her to speak to our group if everybody's interested in that. That would have to be time, you know, the open enrollment starts this week. Yes. Goes okay. to December. Oh, yeah. So, so I don't you know, know if you yeah, have time that to would get be helpful. Or, you know, if she doesn't come to speak, at least I could share her contact information with everybody. Yes, that, that would be you, helpful. Would that be helpful? Okay. I'll get yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll get that. The open enrollment through December, that is for people already on Medicare also. Right. That, that window's for new members, new Medicare patients, but also existing. Okay, members. Medicare contact. Okay, I'm on it. Just a reminder to everyone also, if you recall, we talked about it at a previous meeting about GoodRx, the free application mm -hmm. on your phone. Mm -hmm. 
And there were times that GoodRx, I had to pick up a prescription for one, I don't know which it was for, it was like $120. And I went on GoodRx and then had it right there for $9. At these, uh. that, and they, they maybe pay $9. So check your prescriptions with GoodRx. It's a free app that you can download. But also, Jeff, make sure that they, they might not let you do that more than two months in a row. So they'll give it to you for a while, but some places won't let you have it indefinitely at that low price. Come across that, yeah, but that's interesting to hear. Thank you. And then, you know, what? For those who are best with generics. Yeah. So, I, you know, for those who are just getting on to Medicare, there's plan, um, there's plan G and plan F, something like that. There's two different plans that are more comprehensive that you only get one chance at if you have a pre-existing, if you don't sign up when you go on Medicare, you can lose that whole um, ability to get all the more comprehensive plan. I didn't know if you guys knew about that. No, but it's too late. Yeah, well, yeah. So, you know, I, th this resource that I found was so helpful. So I'll get the contact information out to everybody. Thank you. Yeah. You know, for, what it's for what it's worth, Gail had this problem with recovery. I called up the company to try to get something. And when she first started, the company wanted to know how was it working and everything, so I told them. And now that's this a problem, they don't want to hear about it. Really? So go, see your, go see your doctor. Really, that's really, awful. really piss poor. Wow. wow. Really piss poor. That's the Walgreens special pharmacy, right, Barry? Yes. Yeah. No, I called, yeah, but I called Atomus, who's the company that makes the drug. And they had no, they just, they took a note down and they didn't want to talk to anybody. They don't really, they don't handle that stuff. Yeah. So go see your doctor. Yeah. I, yeah, gave him, I gave him a nice word of what I really thought about oh. the response. Yeah. Any, anything else that anybody would like to bring up? So I'm going to pray for no rain on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, and I hope um, to see everybody. Yeah. If you I was just curious if um, people were interested in a Zoom, the other Zoom boxing class with Eddie on the weekend or evening. Yeah, I'm, I'll send a survey out, but maybe we can get an idea from somebody. So we have a really good boxer that's interested in working with us. Um, would you, any of you be interested in a Zoom class on a Saturday or a Sunday? We would. Saturday. Saturday is like at 10 a.m. or in the afternoon, probably in the morning, right? Like late yeah, morning. We used yes. to do it 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Okay. Okay. Saturday is better than Sunday, yes? Yes. yes. Okay. Brenda, we got it. Sunday morning works also for me. Yeah, I was just looking at the calendar. So Saturday at 10. Okay, thank you. All right, this is good. So you guys stay you. safe, stay warm. You too. Stay dry, and it's Thanks good to see everybody. So next, next week, just so you know, it's just going to be all support for PDers. Great, thank okay. you. Thanks for setting this up, and I'll miss you all on Saturday. Have fun. Okay, bye. 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 Bye